so you can create that true financial freedom because really it's a matter of the mindset. If you try to do everything, you're going to be working yourself into a job, right? So you got to have other people that are doing this for you as well anyways. So you might as well leverage other people's experience and you know what they've already accomplished to be able to make it easier on yourself and stop having to work so hard to do this, right? Bring bring what your best skill set is to the table and find that niche and add that value to as many people as you can and focus on that one, one activity to really, really build it. And then you can build your other resources afterwards right you want financial freedom time freedom location freedom want to live large live free then come with me Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we have an awesome guest back in the house, Mr. Matthew Owens from OCG Properties. So Matthew, it's been awesome. It's been a little while since we've had you on here on Freedom Hack Radio. A lot of things have happened. Um, we're going to dig into that. But first off, just welcome here, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I always love having conversations with you about investing and the economy and all that stuff where I think we think very similarly uh, with all of these different aspects of what's going on in the world right now. So I always appreciate your insights and getting little tips and tricks myself from your own knowledge base. So appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, cool, man. We're going to dig in there very soon. Before we go there, I always love to know what's given you the most gratitude today, brother. You know, honestly, being able to take a step back and, and you know, play with the kids and being able to, uh, you know, really enjoy family time and stuff like that, you know, you, you grind and grind and grind and, you know, being able to take that step back and realize what's important in life and, uh, and it puts you in a different mindset, puts you in a different mood and is, enables you to persevere through, you know, trials and tribulations you go through in business as well, right? So, um, you know, really putting, putting things in perspective has been, you know, really awesome for me, especially over the last like six plus months, just dialing that in massively and focusing a lot more on the family, man. That's awesome, dude. See, when I started this in 2015, most people were talking about all of the financial profits and everything that you make from investing. And that was like the big conversation topic at all of the real estate meetings. Um, and now fast forward, we've got about 1200 investors in our inner circle. And every time they come on to join our inner circle, we ask them this one question, what's your big motivating reason why behind you're doing the, all of these financial things and investing It has nothing to do with money at all. And 90% of everybody is just saying that it's time freedom, man. People want their time back. People want to be able to spend time with their friends. This whole business model of waking up at 5.30 in the morning, going to the grind endlessly, and then not having enough time to like hang out with your kids. Like people waking up to that, man. And that's why people come to investments and um, people come to this type of like way of living. So yeah, I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah. So a lot of awesome stuff's been happening in the economic space. Um, I would say some of it's exciting, awesome. Some of it's a little bit scary, awesome. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts right now? I mean, there's been like bank problems. There's been interest rates happening. Um, what's got you concerned about the economy and where we're at right now? I think a lot of it really just has to do with the unknown, right? And I think you touched on it a lot of your discussion at the Best Ever Conference 
when you're talking about the end of a cycle, right? And a big cycle coming and you start to look at what's happening in the banking sector and you know the changes that are occurring. And I believe they're trying to push us into a central bank digital currency and changes in the financial system. I believe the, the dollar at some point in the future will be, you know, not be the reserve currency anymore, which puts massive pressure on the US uh, as, you know, and, and some economic turmoil that can occur, right? And I think it's time to uh, not only focus on your financials and making sure that you are financially free, but also focus on, you know, the important things like making sure you have food security, making sure you have water security, making sure that you have, you know, land and all of that stuff to protect yourself in case those economic turmoil things happen, right? We Everyone goes through cycles uh, throughout history, right? It's repeatable cycles that happen over and over and over again. And what happens during those cycles? There is famine in certain cases. I'm not saying that's going to necessarily happen here in the U.S. I think uh, just preparing and making sure you and your family are protected at the same time as looking at, you know, the positive aspects of that and the opportunity that's coming out of it. Because you can think about this from a negative standpoint, or you can be a lot more positive and say, yes, there are changes coming. There's the end of a cycle. Let's have a mindset shift into looking for that opportunity, protecting and living a different way, right? Not like you said, not grinding all the time, focusing on living life in nature and, you know, living life the way we should be living life and eating organic foods and, you know, having self-sustainment and not relying on, you know, the big government and big government entities uh, to, you know, provide for us, right? Providing for ourselves, I think is super important going forward. And, you know, the economic side is, is you know really concerning, right? You see a lot of turmoil out there. They just keep trying to kick the can down the road. I'm very concerned about inflation and some of those types of issues, and you know potentially stagflation, where asset prices might continue to rise, but not at the same pace as inflation. And you might have massive food inflation uh, and massive you know standard of living reduction because of that inflation. So being that's why I say protect yourself from that inflation by having some of that self sustainability aspect to your life as well so that you don't have to you know scrape and scrounge for you know food and have that be an issue where you can still eat healthy and you know not have to have you know uh not be able to afford some of the things that are coming out right so you've seen massive inflation on eggs and food across the board for example and uh you know just if you if someone is wealthy and has financial freedom in their life obviously it's going to hurt them a lot less than someone that is extremely poor that's barely getting by right so but i think it's even more important for those uh people that are really struggling to you know look at that self-sustained movement right but i think there's a big positive that can come out of this where i think there's a big awakening that's happening a lot of people are becoming self-aware of the current system and ways we can maneuver around it and become really truly free which is pretty cool <laughs> Talking about this awakening, like you go back 10 years and if someone was talking about having food storage, it was like they're a prepper and it was comical and it's like, you know, it's it's over, you know, they probably got a bunker beneath their house and they think ah. it's going to be like genocide, all these things, right? But then if you look at current days and what's happening and um, a, a common statistic is that our local grocery store here in, in the US has about three days supplies of all of the main things that we need, you know, mm -hmm. the milk and the egg, the produce and stuff like that. And then every three days that's getting topped up um, with new trucks coming in. And if you look at what happened over in the UK recently with energy prices, energy prices increased from 80% 
to 1000% like that. And right. some people went from like, hey, my energy bill is this. Now it's 10 times more. So if you think something like that, like if that's happening in the UK, something like that could happen here. What if that happened with gas prices? I just think about these kinds of things. Right. It happened with gas. And then now we've got our like trucks that are using gas to haul these vegetables and produce and everything to the grocery stores that only have three days supply. Right. Things can get really, really ugly really, really quickly. Just even if gas prices go like, you know, 2X, 3X, 4X, 5X, or God forbid, 10X. Right. Um, and that's just like one of the pieces of our economy. And then we look at like the other pieces, like the, the banking sector and things that have happened recently. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost like we're in a place where all of the different parts of our society, our education system, our health system, our financial system, like all of it, we need to take another look at and just like right. redesign, man. And I think, I think there's ways to, you know, counterbalance some of that risk, right? Whenever there's turnover and, you know, changes that occur in economies, it's always a, a, for a period of time, right? So if you were able to just start off by getting, you know, six months to 12 months of food and water supplies, maybe starting a garden in your house and that kind of thing, just those little things to start off so that you are, you know, in a better position, then that's a great thing to start off with. Um, you know, with regard to the banking aspect of things, you know, a lot of this looks like a big consolidation to the larger institutions, right? During the whole uh, COVID shutdown thing, you saw a lot of small businesses go out of business because they were shut down, but the big businesses were stayed open. And it really was just a big shift towards moving business towards big companies, right? And I see the, the banking crisis is another situation like that. You see the, the fear of the market that's occurring, right? Of course, we had some bank turmoils. Some of the exposure of the banks taking additional risks than they shouldn't be taking is what we're seeing right now actually occur. And this is happening with pretty much all banks because they're fractional reserve banking system and their reserve requirements are so ridiculously low that it just makes no sense whatsoever. And then with Dodd-Frank, they had a bail-in type system now where uh, now instead of a bailout system, the, the government is saying, hey, well, now you are going to own shares of that bank that may go down instead of actually owning, uh, you know, instead of actually getting bailed out, right? And the FDIC insurance is highly inadequate to cover uh, all deposits if all the banks failed or a big chunk of the banks failed, right? And so they're going to bail out the bigger ones. And so you've seen this big push towards big institutions of capital and a lot of the smaller banks getting squeezed and financially harmed there and more business going to the bigger banks in this way, which I believe is, you know, on purpose in my eyes, uh, as far as what they're trying to do so that that way they can consolidate, make it easier to enact the central bank digital currency. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm just crazy, but I was the prepper back back in the day, 10 years ago too, you know, looking at, you know, having my food and water supplies and things like that. And I kind of see the writing on the wall uh, with what is actually occurring if you understand what they're trying to shift through. And they're doing this so that that way they can hide the inflation effects, they can have unlimited inflation, and they can have more control, right? I mean, this is all that's about, really, we can't trust our government, we can't trust any governments to protect us, it's our responsibility to protect ourselves. And so I think that's what's happening in this awakening position that's people are like becoming awake to saying, hey, there are dangers in some of these major systems and the banking system in the medical system is completely owned by by money and, you know, things like that. And, and the, the bigger power 
hours and you start to look at, you know, some of the, the food distribution systems and big agriculture and, you know, some of the issues with these systems and people are starting to become awake and say, hey, there's a better way of living life in this way. And that's really exciting, even though every time there's going to be major turmoil, some people are going to have a lot of pain. And I think it's a matter of having a backup plan and a backup plan on top of that to counterbalance that. And everybody might go through pain during any kind of change, but at the same time, on the other end of pain comes massive opportunity and a massive way to, to make money and a massive way to live a new life, right? And have true financial freedom and time freedom in your life without being in this daily grind at all times and relying on these, you know, bigger institutions to support us, right? So yeah. they're less stable than you think they are. <laughs> so no kidding, man. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, you know, when, when things get progressively more challenging, there's basically going to be like two sides of people. There's going to be one side of people that are those in need, they need help. Um, right. and there's going to be the other people on the other side that actually can help. Um, and I suppose what we're doing with the information we share is trying to increase the awareness and give people some more options so that they can actually be in the category of like helping people. Um, because, you know, if we got to choose between the two, I think we'd all agree we want to be in that position rather than the people in, in, in need. Um, right. You know, I've been preparing in like a, a lot of different areas for a while because I have seen behind the curtains and you look at things like fractional reserve lending and, and the, the banking system. I mean, you touched on it there to give actual statistics if less than 2% of the the money that's in the system was drawn out of banks all banks would be insolvent and closed down mm -hmm. um the fdic of the two hundred and fifty thousand that's insured in each of those fdic bank accounts and the 500 in the brokerage accounts only of that amount not including the mon money that's in excess of that the fdic can currently only cover about 1.68 percent of that insured the insured right. amount so crazy so if you just look at that like it wouldn't really take too much panic in in the system for people to go out and draw draw money out of the banks to just have complete and utter like temporary financial right. like chaos which uh, would right. just knock so many dominoes down and that's just one thing and so this is why like things like this is so important to um to be taking a look at these things because they're like really 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 frail systems and most people aren't spending the time researching this stuff like we are right and i think i think the big key there is that what will end up happening is the government will come in and save the day with central bank digital currency and start printing all the money they need to to help the FDIC, you know, hit their limits and be able to cover everybody. But what happens then is a hyperinflationary environment, right? You have a massive amount of uh, hyperinflation that occurs because of, you know, the, the printing of this money across the board and making sure, you know, those, that money doesn't go away and making sure that, you know, people get their deposits back uh, and they just print it instead. Right. So, uh, so looking at from that perspective, I think everybody needs to be careful. And that's why, you know, in, I think it's important to have a backstop in certain types of, you know, precious metals, right? Invest in mining companies, invest in some gold and silver, you know, some hard gold and silver and, you know, some 
mining company type situations that you can take advantage of the commodities boom that we may be seeing in the future um, because of the lack of supply in those areas and as an insurance backstop and investing in some alternative asset classes, right? Uh, to produce cash flow in different ways, right? So, you know, everybody is concerned and uh, about, hey, what about what's happening with the real estate market? What's happening with the general economy as a whole? You know, and it really is dependent upon the the how much money they're printing and, you know, the Federal Reserve and what they're going to do next, right? You saw what they did with interest rates over the last couple of years, the last year, and uh, you see what's happening with the affordability ratios there. It shows you how much control they have to completely cool the economy. And, you know, they, they are saying that, hey, the jobs are still doing well, but in reality, they're not. Um, if you look at the actual details of the job reports that are occurring, the uh, what it shows you is that part-time jobs went up massively and full-time jobs actually declined. And so at the end of the day, a lot of people went and got second jobs, right? To be able to forward some of the inflation changes that occurred. And so it looks like on a pure numbers standpoint that jobs increased, but that's not really the case because they just measure it differently in different ways. And so there's an underlying bubbling that's occurring over and over again. You see it with the bank failures in some cases and some of the di differences there. And I believe that may be the beginning and it's important to protect yourself and put some money into hard assets put some money into gold and silver, making sure that you are diversified in your banking seg segments, some into the bigger banks, some into the smaller banks and credit unions and things like that, that may not have as uh, much susceptibility to some of these changes. Now, everyone's going to have susceptibility to a degree, maybe even investing in things that you think are going to be highly inflationary in the future, like farmland and things like that, and like farms and, and food production uh, type activities and look Looking at those alternative investments that might be able to benefit, even the cryptocurrencies in a lot of ways, in my eyes, might be a backstop to have some money invested in cryptocurrencies so that that way you have almost like an insurance policy in place in case the, the dollar goes down. Because in addition to their inflation that is already occurring, you see other countries in the BRICS countries, and you saw it just right now with, with China starting to trade uh, with different countries and their own currencies, they're stopping using the dollar. And if that occurs, then there's a massive pressure on the dollar as a whole. And it's and and really, you're going to see a major hyperinflationary type of environment with the dollar because the demand is going to plummet uh, in that situation. I think there'll probably be a war to stop that. Most of the wars we've seen in the past have been because these other countries want to stop using the dollar in different ways. And so it's very concerning there. But um, these are some of the things that I think you should be aware of and ways you can protect yourself by diversifying into some of these other asset classes, as well as some of the fundamental things for survival as well, right? And to put that into perspective, 70% um, of the world's reserve currency is backed by the US dollar. So whatever's happening with the US dollar is massively affecting interconnectedly most of the major countries in the world. So like right. we, we are very, very interconnected these days. This is not a... Sure you know, America falls and other com other countries are all cool. This is like, 
we all we all fall together in in this one in in many right. ways. And I just I do want to disclose that I'm not a CPA. Matt and I are not financial advisors or attorneys. We're just talking about like some some things that we're doing. Uh, right. We're basically throwing some information out there, some options. It's always up to you guys to make your own financial decisions and seek your own CPAs, attorneys, and financial advisor and legal counsel. Um, but you know we're looking at these things and we're like we're always like we discuss together. Matt and I like. Oh, what are our options here? Like, you know, where, where should we place our money? What, what should we do here? Like, because this is a moving target and um, it's not something that we just like make a decision on today and then not think about things for the next like two years because everything's changing. And so we kind of right. like need to get into this pace of consistently thinking and re-strategizing and moving and being and be able to adapt with change. Cause there's a lot of change happening, obviously. Um, so We've talked about some of the negative things here and we've, you've, you've offered a couple of solutions in different places for people to place liquidity. And that's great. Um, you were up on stage at Best Ever Conference and you were talking about what's got you excited about all of this. Um, so I want to hear what asset classes and investments that you've got your eye on, you're getting involved in, how you're adjusting and changing with all of these things that are happening. Um, and before that, maybe why you're so optimistic and excited about, you know, where we're at and what's coming. Absolutely, man. And, and that's, what's cool is like, you know, I, I look at this as a positive spin, actually, even all the things we just talked about that look scary, they come with massive amounts of opportunity, right? It's a matter of keeping your head up and looking for that opportunity at all times and being able to stick and move and, you know, and bob and weave when, when things actually happen. Right. So, um, and, and I think being able to keep your eyes open for that is, is the, one of the most important things you can do. And so some of the things, for example, that, you know, I invest in are different alternatives alternative asset classes. I really, I invest a lot in short-term debt obligations where I can get paid back that's collateralized by hard assets at lower than the market value. I do a lot of hard money lending and, you know, different lending opportunities like that, that are one-year type terms or less. Uh, and I like those because you can stay liquid, right? You can also sell that debt off really quickly and recapitalize your capital very easily because there's systems set up to do that. Uh, and, and I also have a lower than market value buffer there in case there's some changes in the values of those assets and things like that. And I'm able to, you know, do that consistently and produce really good cash flow streams for myself and my investors that way uh, through these short-term debt type structures that I invest in, right? Um, some of the other assets that I invest in, I'm actually uh, heavily uh, involved in the marijuana space and have uh, different different investments there that I, I work within and have an operation out in the main market that I uh, focus on and have operators that I work within. And I really like that space with regard to the profitability there. Uh, and you know, we're looking at producing for $250 a pound and selling for $1,800 a pound, which is an amazing margin. And you know, looking at some of these different you know metrics there having room to maneuver in case that price that price declines right having buffers there in place with all of your different business systems are absolutely key right i i really like investing in gold and silver and commodities and things like that right now and natural resources because i see the amount of demand that's going to be occurring on those resources 
versus the supply and the cost of those things right now in comparison to the long-term demand and as an insurance company uh, or, or insurance policy uh, long-term for those types of assets, right? So I invest in a bunch of different operations and opportunities. I really love the mobile home park space as well that I know you're heavily involved in and I'm, I've invested with you multiple times in a lot of your assets and they're all performing really, really well. Uh, at the same time, um, you know, those assets are recession resistance, right? Because you have people from the multifamily space that come down and rent in the mobile home park space if they can't afford it, right? You're always going to have a built-in tenant base there in that type of, you know, park space. And there's major value add components. Anything I'm doing right now, I'm looking at how do I add value to build equity above what I'm actually invested in right now and above my cost so that I have that built-in buffer room there that's waiting for us. So I really like these types of spaces that I'm investing in. I also still like single family homes and you know the short-term rental strategies. I just am at a very low leverage position right now with those because I wanna make sure I'm protected. I wanna make sure that I'm you know in a good space there, but I'm also getting built-in equity on these projects too to make sure that I have that buffer room in case there's changes in the market that occur, but also being able to take advantage a future opportunity if there is declines in the market and stuff like that. So keeping my eyes open for that opportunity is absolutely key. I've invested in multiple ATM machine funds and things like that uh, that I've, I I really like the cash flow stream for as well. And the short-term debt, like I mentioned, has been you know great for me and my investors where we're just able to keep a little bit of liquidity on the table and you know be able to take that money and use it for opportunity that comes up when we when we see that opportunity and snag it when we want to. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing all of that. So we were just the best ever conference together. And um, I don't know how many people were there. It was like, you know, 1500 or 2000 or something like that. Um, a lot of these events, usually there's a little bit of talk about the economy, but most of it's like, how are we going to make money this year? Um, if you look at the actual speakers and how many topics we're talking about the economy, um, depending on which day, it was somewhere between like 30 to over 50% of like the conversations. It was a lot. It was a lot of conversations about the economy. And never right. before have I ever been to an event where people are actually concerned about the economy and markets and things like that. Um, so I think we're seeing a lot of people like wake up. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is because never before have I heard at any of these kinds of real estate or investing conferences, people starting to consider or actually making moves in alternative asset classes outside of the typical single family homes and multifamily apartments. Right. And um, a lot of people that are very successful in the multifamily apartment space going, yep, we're looking outside and we're doing some other things to like complement our portfolio right now because we are starting to see the early warning signs that some of the same old tricks that used to work may not work in this mm -hmm. environment that we're in right now and that we're coming into moving forward. Um, and so I've heard a lot of buzz about people talking about alternative asset classes like um, Bitcoin mining, automatic telemachines, Bitcoin telemachines, express car washes, um, marijuana, like a lot of different things, um, even like food production and, um, and things like this, because the needs are changing, the challenges right. are changing. And so, you know, wherever there's challenge, there's needs and whatever there's needs, there's opportunities. And that's the kind of things that we're looking at. 
and when we're when we're thinking about all of this i mean did you feel that when you were at best ever absolutely and and you know you start to think about this as you hear these conversations and it starts to spew opportunity in your mind about where where you should be placing your funds and things like that and you know for example i'm i'm looking at uh these farm pods that create forty thousand dollars worth of food that costs about eighty thousand dollars and how do i create a fund with that and you know a self-sustaining environment where the investors actually can have a backstop of food as well as create income in different ways and i'm super excited about you know innovations like that to decentralize food and and innovations like um with with it with uh, the ai that are coming out that i think are really going to revolutionize what we do now there's some negatives to ai of course but there's some major positives and it gives people a lot of power to be able to change the world in different ways too uh with different with ai that's coming out and i think you know looking at all these alternative asset classes is is really key but also streamlining so much of different operational functions and all these different asset classes is key and i do think you know we we see the distress out there right we see uh, a lot of operators in multifamily having a hard time with their refinances right now because they had short-term debt obligations uh and they did their value add and now they can't refinance uh, because and they can't bring the extra equity to the table because the new equity investors will be making a far less return on investment, so they can't raise the capital and they're starting to lose money in some of those spaces. And so I think it's there's going to be massive opportunity out of that as well, where you can come in and pick these things up for cheap um, at the at the right timing of the market. I think there's going to be a shakeout in the multifamily space first, and a lot of the lenders for commercial real estate are these smaller and mid-sized banks that just took a. Meeting, you know, with the, the changes in the banking sector that we're seeing right now. And so I think keeping your eye out and understanding what's happening in the lending side, which really is a major function of multifamily and single family, you know, uh, uh, real estate is important to focus on, right? And obviously that supply demand metric and understanding what rents are doing all play into this, of course. Uh, but, you know, being able to make sure that uh, you are focused on, hey, this potential risk is coming up. How do I play the, my cards right to be able to take advantage of those? I know a lot of people right now that are buying properties subject to the existing financing because the rates are really low right now, uh, are really high right now compared to what they were. And people are getting 3% mortgages by taking over people's uh, mortgages instead, right? Where they maybe bought in 2020, 2019, 2021, and now they can't sell and get any equity out and they might even have a loss if they sell. So people are coming in saying, no problem, I'll just take it over. And now I can make a rental arbitrage or I'll do a short-term rental or I'll resell it on financing. There's so many cool strategies, but just keeping your eye open for that you know, potential opportunity is key. And these conferences, like what we're talking about, have been massive at opening your eyes for the opportunity that's there and what investors really want and what they need and what their concerns are. So you could say, okay, let me shift into food production investment type strategies, right? Or the, the Bitcoin ATM machines or car washes or, you know, all the different asset types that are out there that are more alternative type assets. Because really, everybody just wants cash flow, right? They want that financial freedom. And so it doesn't really matter if it's real estate related or not, as long as the business model works and you can do your homework on those investments, do your homework on the operators, understand the financial models and the paperwork involved and the incentives for performance, the, you know, it's all very similar 
to real estate. It's just a different business that you're running and understanding the underlying metrics and expenses and you know those types of things and the financials are absolutely key to your success on those other investment types as well. Yeah, and adjusting and moving with the target. That were all the things that you're mentioning is just like changing and moving and adjusting. And, you know, I've seen a couple of multifamily apartment investors that I think are very wise by bringing these tax abatement deals to the table where they're actually getting tax. Uh, they don't have to pay as much on property taxes because they've got a portion of their tenants that are uh, technical affordable housing that come under different mm. programs. And so they could take a deal that otherwise wouldn't pencil out in today's market and do it, structure it like this. And, um, and they're actually being able to still do the same types of deals, multifamily, but they've mm -hmm. made changes and adjustments because, I mean, you talked about what's happening in the multifamily space to put some numbers to it. Um, the, the people in the multifamily space who got adjustable rate mortgages in 2020, 2021, and 2022, 40% of those by June are going to be in a position where it's highly unlikely that they'd be able to refinance. So then that puts them in like a really, really yucky position, right? And right. the options of how to solve that problem once you get to that point they're not the best. So, you know, you kind of have to choose the lesser of the evils and right. go down that path. But the, the big picture of what you were saying, and I didn't really wrap my head around this until Neil Bauer was talking about it on stage there at Best Ever. Um, but like the consequences of what would happen with the banks. What if like 40% of those loans, the banks get back? And that probably isn't going to happen. That's a big number. But what if only 10% of those, the banks get back? The banks right. are not going to want to lend on multifamily assets. So they're going to really, really change it. It's going to hurt the ones that didn't, were aren't in that position. And like, and, and especially with all of the things that are happening in the banking sector right now with, um, you know, banks closing down and bank runs and things right. like that and the potential for bail-ins and all of this. I mean, we may be in a position where some asset classes just can't get decent loans, which is right. You lending probably like goes through the roof because I know that's like a big piece of your business, right? It, right. If there's if there's a need, right. If there's a need in the market, then obviously there's going to be investors that are going to step up and find a way to be able to fill that need, right? And that's mm -hmm. what I'm talking about with opportunity. And I'm not saying that all multifamily is going to have these issues. Like you were talking about the companies that are vertically integrated, that have their own renovation company, have their own management company, do their own asset management, that have gotten long-term debt to start on these assets, that are being careful on what their refinance interest rates could be on the back end and their exit cap rates going to be on the back end and you know being very conservative underwriting and doing built-in equity strategies like tax mitigation strategies and pretty tax reductions you know all of those things and it depends on the market right you might have some really great performing assets in certain markets around the country you know real estate does not just crash all over the place nationwide uh, on it's on a per market basis based on affordability based on a number of factors right based on populations like we've seen Florida that hasn't had any problems right they're having you know still an in increase in values across the board you know so um, so it's very dependent on the individual market but I do think you know with this kind of turmoil that could come in uh, on the lending side of things there is going to be a lot of opportunity to be able to pick up uh, one deals at a discount start making your relationships with those those banks right now 
now so that that way when that happens you're able to say hey i'll pick that up from you bank you know no problem you know those types of things are going to come to fruition where you can take these things down and then it may make sense just to go all cash on on these types of assets because they might produce a high enough return on investment for that to make sense right so there's different a lot of banks they just want their money back right they, they don't necessarily want to make a massive profit on the back end most of the time their mindset is get rid of the bad asset off my books as fast as possible get me all my interest and back to you know costs that i had to pay for and i'm good right so a lot of times you can pick it up for loan value plus costs in all of these places this is what happened in 2008 through 2012 during the whole housing crash that occurred in that time if you had relationships with banks you're picking up stuff for songs, right? Like you're getting, and you're getting seller financing where they're like, let's just make it re-performing again. So if these banks take back a lot of inventory, it's going to be a big opportunity to go make relationships with these banks and say, hey, I'll take this over. Just give me financing. And a lot of times it's, yeah, no problem. 100% financing, just redo this loan in this position. I'll make sure it's performing. I'll bring in the extra capital and the equity position here. Uh, and a lot of times that's just massive. You can renegotiate new loan terms with those those banks at that time or take them down with cash and bring extra equity to the table to make that make sense for them even. So they're even at a lower loan to value and much more comfortable with their new, new financing arrangements. Yeah. And so like with the increase of the challenges, there's going to be an increase in opportunities. And um, some of you might go, well, you know, I don't have much money sitting in the bank. I don't have much liquidity. So when these opportunities become available, I don't know if it's like I'm going to be able to tap into them. But if you can raise capital and if you can like pull money together from other investors, then you do actually have liquidity to a certain extent. Right. Um, so a lot of different ways that we can like collectively be involved in these types of opportunities and help solve problems. Um, like you say, because it's really all about solving pro problem solving. So I know some of you freedom hackers are out there going, Bryce and Matt, I love this conversation. You're talking my language. This is awesome. And reconfirming some things you already know. Some of you are listening and going, man, I just like learned some like really cool things. Matt dropped some wisdom bombs. I really like that. And some of you are going, I don't really understand all of the terminology and all these things you're talking about. But the really cool thing about this, guys, is that Matthew Owens has put together a Masters of Real Estate um, education program that literally walks us through like everything from like A to Z in the investing world and different asset classes and the terminologies and strategies. And dude, you've put together an absolutely robust, amazing education program. Um, can you share a little bit of color on, on what yeah, together here? Abs absolutely, man. And, and really what it came down to was I was seeing so many investors that are Hey, let's learn how to wholesale properties or do one fix and flip and, you know, do one type of strategy out there. And, you know, I flipped over a thousand houses. Now I have over 35 million lent to flippers in different markets. I've raised over $150 million for real estate over the last 15 years. And there's so many ways of making money and people don't understand for the most part, a lot of these newer operators and uh, even more experienced operators don't have the underlying foundational infrastructure about real estate as a whole, right? They don't understand tax and legal structures and self-directed retirement accounts and things like that. They don't understand how to raise capital from private investors or how to market really and find deals, right? Or they don't understand the very foundational starting point of 
financial education to get your personal and business budget together and your personal and business financial statement together so you know what your starting point is and what you're trying to end up covering in cash flow to start, right? They don't understand the math be between you know all the different investment types and how to do the due diligence. So I teach about not only fix and flip and buy and hold and wholesaling type deals and the inner inner the, the, the matrixes that go into that and the detailed analysis and step-by-step -step processes that you have to go through so you don't lose a bunch of money like I did in the beginning, right? Um, but I also teach about promissory note investing and all the paperwork backing that up, about syndications, which is probably one of the best ways to build your own wealth passively because you know you have these active operations happening with with flick fixing and flipping and even promissory note investing can be very active but then being passive and be, being able to go and diversify into multiple asset strategies multiple markets of the country and multiple operators has been huge because there's only so much bandwidth you have for your active operations over here you have to be able to invest passively as well so being able to understand those understand short-term rentals understand multifamily and the detailed analysis that goes into that and the underwriting and most importantly your long-term asset management strategies. You can't just buy a rental or buy a multifamily or invest in a syndication and just sit back. You have to have a specific detailed strategy so that every month, every quarter, you're reviewing your, your key metrics and your KPIs for each one of those investments to say, is it hitting my goal? Do I need to reposition my assets? What specific things can I make sure this asset is fully optimized to its greatest extent so that I can really build my wealth and build my true financial freedom? And so that's what I really wanted to start off with. And now, of course, I'm able to create a book out of it, which I'm going to be doing next and be able to take a lot of that stuff and be able to incorporate it into a book format for people. But really, it's meant to be a I have a full six month course on every aspect of investing that's 25 weeks long of education. So it's a big course. I, I call it a master master's degree in real estate, because that's really what it is. Uh, and then I have like a 30 day course. that's like a five course segment on how to get your first deal in our contract. If you want to take those baby steps or buy individual courses and things like that. So I really did it because of the underlying infrastructure and the need there, because I saw so many flippers and people falling on their face because maybe they knew how to find deals and do the construction, but they ran out of money or they didn't have their financial side dialed in and they fall flat on their face. I had a buddy of mine come to me that was flipping 10 houses a month doing this for 10 years that came to me with his financial statements and said, hey, can you show me and help me understand my financials? And, and I started looking at them and talking about the different assets that are on their balance sheet. And he was saying, oh, I sold like five of these last year or the two years ago. I don't know why they're still there on my balance sheet. And I'm like, well, you just, your CPA or your bookkeeper screwed up and just cost you a ton of money because he should have written all the, the cost of those things off. And you just paid a ton more in taxes than you needed to pay. Right. And it cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Luckily he was able to go amend his tax returns and get, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars back in taxes that he paid out from doing that. And he was flipping 10 a month for years doing this and not having that side dialed in was costing him so much money on the back end. And that's really the whole purpose. When I started seeing things like that, I'm like, oh my God, people are not teaching this underlying infrastructure here. They're teaching you here, how, let me find some deal flow for you or learn this one strategy, but they're not teaching the whole picture, which is what makes or breaks you at the end of the day. So.
And when I have financial, um, complex financial problems to solve, I'm actually coming to you because I love the way that you dissect it and show us how we could attack it from like five or six different angles and get all the tax benefits and everything like that. You truly are a master at um, deal structuring and, and understanding those things. And, you know, the deeper I take a dive in all these rabbit holes of investing, the more ways there are to make money. And, but in the beginning, I was naive, man. I just thought like we, I had to like have experience. I had to have money and all of this. But like, if you don't have any of that and you're just getting started out and you've got nothing, well, maybe you've got some time and you can team up with other people who don't have the time and then you can go find deals with them. Maybe you can like wholesale, maybe you can raise capital for them um, because they've already got the platform and you can leverage that and you can build your brand off their already success. Or maybe you're on the other end of the scale and you're like, hey, I'm, I hear you, Matt, I've done a thousand flips as well. And I'm fucking exhausted. And like, <laughs> you know, all I'm doing is working, I need help. And then so then there's like systems to like raise capital and automate and all of this. And I know this is what you're sharing in masters of real estate. So um, it's definitely catered for anybody on like any end of the scale to go from like A to Z for this, no matter how experienced or, or how fresh you are. And um, how do people yeah. actually find out about this and get started with Masters of Real Estate? Yeah, they can go to my website, MatthewOwens.com with one T and Matthew. Uh, I say my parents couldn't spell, so that's why my name is spelled with one T. But uh, yeah, MatthewOwens.com and, and learn more. And, you know, that's I actually just did a YouTube video about this exact topic about adding value like this in different ways where you don't have to be the person that raises the money, finds the deal, does all the operations work, does the entire gamut of everything where everything falls on your shoulders. You can leverage other people's skill sets. You can go through and manage property or do asset management for somebody to add that value, right? You can actually go through and help to raise the capital like you talked about and do some other active operations work on that. You can go through and be the person that finds the deal and does the financial modeling if that's what your skill set is. You know, I actually really enjoy that side of things and doing the financial modeling aspect for people, right? You can, there's so many different ways that you can add value you don't need to have a hundred percent of a 500 unit or 300 unit apartment complex or mobile home park or something like that. You can go through and get 10, 15, 20% for doing some of these other things and bringing the deals to the table or raising the capital or going through and doing active operations on the ground in these markets to take advantage and, and take advantage of your skill set and get pieces of the deal and share with other people that are actually doing their piece of the job so you can create that true financial freedom because really it's a matter of the mindset. If you try to do everything, you're going to be working yourself into a job, right? So you got to have other people that are doing this for you as well anyways. So you might as well leverage other people's experience and you know what they've already accomplished to be able to make it easier on yourself and stop having to work so hard to do this, right? Bring, bring what you're best skill set is to the table and find that niche and add that value to as many people as you can and focus on that one one activity to really really build it and then you can build your other resources afterwards right so that's what's yeah, cool and and like it's actually quicker and we can get to our financial goals quicker and and at a higher cadence by doing it that way because if we only specialize in a few things ourselves anyway our personality types the way that humans are designed we're not the best at everything we're usually good at like one thing or like a couple of little niches of things so when we find out what that right. thing 
specialize in it. If someone's really good at attracting and finding properties and they get 10% in each deal because they bring the deal to the table, then they can just crush it in finding properties, do 10 deals. Now they do have 100%, but they didn't have to right. figure out the property management, the construction, the lending, and all of the other pieces, which we can lose brain cells doing, like <laughs> trying to learn like everything and trying to do everything ourselves um, instead of doing it with the team. And um, I know right. a, a lot of your success is um, you've got a lot of relationships and you've got um, you've got a lot of joint ventures and you're providing a lot of value. And it's just like every investing is a team sport. It's it's awesome. Yeah. And we used to run management companies and do everything ourselves as well. And I, I sold the management company. I stopped doing everything and I'm even shifting even more into being more passive as much as I possibly can instead of doing active operations. Cause I just want to dance in the living room with my daughter and, you know, coach my son's basketball team. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, those are the fun things in life, right? So you have to design your business in a way to where it gives you the lifestyle you want, which a lot of people just think I got to grind to make money. And yeah, you got to put in the work for sure. But at the same time, put in the work to design the business so that the business produces the lifestyle that you want instead of the, the business running you all the time, right? And it's hard. I, I fall into the trap sometimes too, just like everybody does. And then you got to recalibrate, take a step back and say, wait a minute, how do I restructure? How do I change some of these things so that I don't have this much workload anymore? Beautiful man. And I don't know what kind of dancing you're doing in the living room with your daughter, but I just pictured you break dancing. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's more ballerina stuff. She's like, do what I do, daddy, you know, put your head on the head. And I'm like, fine, whatever. I, I She hasn't gotten me to put on the princess dress yet. You know, that's not happening, but you know. Maybe but, one day it will and you'll accidentally jump on the podcast forgetting to take it off. Yeah. So. I know, right? Be like, I was just dancing with my living room with my daughter right now. Yeah, I know. I hear you. <laughs> awesome. Cool, man. So really appreciate all the value you've brought to the table today, all of your wisdom on the economy, how to navigate through things, a lot of the excellent education that you're sharing. It'd be really cool if we could just kind of wrap up on what's got you most excited over the next 12 months. Yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about shifting a lot of my active workload and being able to reposition where I'm, I'm shifting a lot of my lending business off my plate, shifting my single family home business off my plate. I don't think I'm ever going to flip a single family house as long as I live again. Uh, I'm investing a lot more into syndications uh, where I can do a lot of the due diligence up front uh, and, you know, being able to really take that time for myself and take a step back. Uh, from the business as a whole and being able to invest a lot more passively uh, now that I've kind of built my wealth and built the strategies and focused a lot more on marketing and adding value for different people in different ways. I have my YouTube channel up. Uh, it's OCG Masters of Real Estate is the handle. And, you know, we, we go through and just being able to recalibrate business in different ways and setting the lifestyle that I want now that my wealth is, is a lot more built. So I'm excited about that, you know, moving forward. And, you know, you know, like with these changes that are occurring in the economy as a whole, I'm excited to see the opportunity that's going to come out of that because, you know, my mindset is very, very focused on keeping my head up after taking multiple punches in the face. You, you realize that, your mindset and keeping your head up to look for those opportunities can propel you so much farther forward than you ever thought would be possible versus when you take those hits 
keeping your head down and stressing out and, you know, letting that get to you, keeping your head up, you, you find ways of making money back, like right away on, you know, different trials and tribulations you go through. So, um, so I'm excited about being able to see that opportunity in the future and what's happening, man. Absolutely, man. I'm excited to watch you grow and keep growing each year. Cause that's what you keep doing too, man. So love that. Thanks a lot for sharing everything today. Any final words, any final thoughts you want to leave with our freedom hackers? Yeah, if you guys want to reach out, just go to MatthewOwens.com and you'll find all of our different businesses and ways we can help. Lots of free content for people to just learn about real estate and start to create that financial freedom in their life. Beautiful. Thanks a lot, Matt. It's always a pleasure. Hope to have you on in the not too distant future and get more updates while all this crazy madness is happening in our economy. But until then, man, keep good. And for all of our freedom hackers, until next week, I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. Live large, live free. G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio, and I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. Hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at freedom hack radio